Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy owners, managers, and their trusted advisors who are looking to take themselves and their businesses to their next level of performance, resilience, and success in the dairy farming business. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to bring you the stories and thought leaders to help take you to your next up level. We are getting settled into a new year, and now is the perfect time to talk about what you want out of your life and your business in 2023. And if you haven't chosen your one word yet, you can check back with episode seven of the Up Level Dairy podcast that's all about choosing your one word. But on this episode, we are focusing on one of the most essential components of the success of any business, yet the one many family businesses struggle with. And that's developing and communicating a strong vision. But here to guide us through this is Jay Joy from Bridgeforth LLP. Welcome back, Jay. All right. Good morning, Peggy. Thanks for having me again. Yes. Love having you back every month with us. And for those that don't know who you are and what you do, just take a moment and introduce yourself quick. Well, I'm a recovering banker. So I spent the first uh, 10 years of my career financing uh, large agribusinesses, so cattle feed yards, dairies, row crop operations. But the last, uh, I'd say, six years, I've been focused exclusively on providing fractional CFO and family business advisory work, not just for dairies, but mostly for dairies. So, Yeah, and you do some executive coaching too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do a number of things depending on the need of the client. So it's always interesting. It's always interesting when somebody asks me what I do. It's like I almost like enjoy hearing my response because it can change so (laughs) it changes every time it changes every time oh but so i bring up the executive coaching piece because essentially what our listeners on this podcast are getting today is some free executive coaching from you jay and so on episode six uh when we talked about your favorite books you talked about this book called traction by gino wickman and you said it was one of your favorite business books of all time. Um, and it talked about six key components for any business. And can you remind us real quick, what were those six key components from Traction? Well, I'm actually going to pull out the book because it's on, I keep it on my desk. So <laughs> that good, huh? Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. So yeah. So the six key components of any successful business are data, process, traction, issues, people, And the last but not least component is vision. Vision. Yeah. And so in your work as a family business advisor and interim um, and fractional CFO, like you talked about, and executive coach, you see family farms that are really, really good at a lot of those components that are fundamental for success. But which one often gets overlooked the most? Um, I'd say there's a couple. Um, I would say... Probably the one that gets overlooked, the probably, well, issues um, would be one. And then probably the one that gets overlooked the most is the vision component. Ah, the vision. Yeah. Why do you think, and, and that's the part we're going to focus on today is that vision component. Why do you think people fall short when it comes to the vision? Well, I think most people in agriculture and specifically dairies, I mean, we're operationally minded, right? So we're very what I'll call left brain focused. So it's all about logic and facts and, and, you know, sequential thinking, um, very linear type thinking. 
So it's, it's very operationally get shit done kind of thing. Um, so when we're talking about what it takes to create a vision, it engages a completely different part of the brain. It, it, it's on the right side. It's, it's all about, you know, imagination and intuition and emotion. And, and most operators just aren't used to engaging the right side of their brain and, and to come up with a, with a compelling uh, and a clear vision it, it, it engages the right side of the brain. And, and there's a couple of other reasons that I think the vision component is overlooked or, or neglected, if you will. Um, those reasons are pretty easy. I think it takes more time to, to really think through and develop, especially if there are multiple partners or family members involved in the creation of a vision. It's not an easy thing and it doesn't happen quickly. You know, it takes time. And, uh, you know, what's the, you know, in agriculture, it's like people don't think about that as being work, right? It's because it's, we're really not doing anything. It, it takes time for that, for the idea to develop and then to take the idea in someone's or a group's collective mind and get it down on paper. That also takes time. So I think the time piece of it is often why it's neglected. Um and then in order to, especially if you've got multiple people involved, you know, it takes a fair amount of communication to get ideas out of multiple people's heads and on paper. And, you know, let's be honest. So what are the two things that farmers are usually, I guess, lacking, if you will? It's There's never enough time, right? And not, I mean, I don't want to use a generalization, but oftentimes we're not very good communicators in agriculture. It's all about getting the work done and not necessarily about making sure everybody's on the same page, aligned around a common vision. You know, that's not something that we think about as being work, but it, it is a lot of work to take the time to, to develop that vision, get it out on paper, and then engage multiple people in that communication. So I think those are two of the primary reasons that I think the vision component is, is overlooked and neglected. Yeah, and I'm gonna pull out a couple of things you just mentioned, Jay. So, um, it, so it's not it, it goes even beyond you know that communication engagement because what you're actually asking people to do, as you alluded to earlier, is bring their emotions and intuition into the conversation. And again, you know, I think it's really common in our ag community to not want to play in that space because it's sure a heck of a lot easier if we jump in a tractor or get our hands dirty sometimes than it is to get into our emotions, right? Right? Exactly. <laughs> Um, but another thing you just mentioned, too, that I want to touch on is you talked about writing it down. Uh, and so, I mean, a lot of us have, you know, maybe we have a vague vision in our head, right? And I think a lot of farms probably can have something that's like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what I want. I can see it, you know, if they, if they do take a little time to think about it. But there's a certain power in writing it down. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just like goal setting. And I don't know the exact statistic, but... I mean, if you Googled it, I'm sure it'd pop right up, but it's the likelihood that a goal is actually achieved, whether you write it down or don't write it down. It's like exponentially more likely that that, that goal is achieved if you do the simple thing of writing it down. It's the same thing with vision, I think. It's just getting it out of your head and on paper so like it's tangible, you can see it, everybody else can see it. I mean, there's a there's a, an extreme amount of power in that. Yeah. And, you know, Jay, it, it, 
um, brings me back to this little uh, note card that I carry around in my uh, my work bag. And months and months ago, I had written down this little Bible verse on it, and it's from Habakkuk 2.2. And it says this, it says, write the vision, make it clear on tablets so that he who reads it may run. And, and I think that's what we're talking about here, right? There's one key thing uh, that I did not mention about why you know, vision is often kind of the most overlooked component. And, and to the entrepreneurs out there, which if, look, if you're a, if you're a farm business owner, whether you want to call yourself an entrepreneur or not, you are, if you're the owner. But so one of the things I think that really uh, limits people's willingness to put vision on paper is because by definition, it is, is a restrictive activity, right? If you're, if you're creating a vision, you're not only creating your picture of what you're going to do, but you're also creating a picture of what you're not going to do. And what do entrepreneurs not like? They don't want to be restricted, right? We like so, freedom. We like freedom. Exactly. And so I think you, you ask, like, what are the things that, that I guess, um, hold businesses back from putting their vision on paper? It's time. It's, you know, the emotional piece that you'd mentioned. But also, I think it is a, is, it's a, it's a restrictive activity, and entrepreneurs, by their very nature, don't like to be restricted. So I just wanted to throw that in there before we moved on. Oh, no, that's, that's good stuff. So it's taking all the uncomfortable things and forcing you to sit down and do them instead of just doing, which is what many of us entrepreneurs and farmers do very well. It's just go out and do, right? Get stuff done. So, yep. Yeah. And so, Jay, if we are, if, if you're ready to create a vision for 2023, where do we start? Well, I mean, to me, the first place to start is go buy the book Traction. I mean, it'll take you right through the process. And so in Traction, when you're working on your vision component, it essentially walks you through eight questions that you have to answer. And it's it's no more difficult than literally answering those questions. And by the end of it, you've got a vision. And let me, let me say one thing. When I'm talking about vision, I'm not talking about, you know, a vision statement that goes on the wall or is on corporate letterhead that, that like you do it once and then you don't ever look at it again. You don't ever talk about it again. You know, to me, that is not vision at all. Uh, vision, in my opinion, and Obviously, Gina Wickman's opinion, he, he's the author of the book Traction. It's a, it's a very um, iterative process. This is not something that you're really ever done with. It's a work in process always. Now, there are components of your vision that once you set them, they're, I mean, they're not necessarily in stone, but they're kind of in stone. And those would be the other things like your core values and your core focus. And so, you know, once you've defined you know, the values which drive the culture that you're trying to create within your business, those things are, I mean, those things don't change over time. Those are, you know, those are timeless principles, if you will, that drive the behavior that's accepted or not accepted within your business. So that's the core values piece. Once it's, once you've got it set, that doesn't change. Core focus, um, you know, there's two parts of what the book calls core focus and that's you know your purpose or your cause and then so that's the first one and then the second one is your niche so you know and those two things your core values and your core focus 
once those are once those are defined and put on paper, those don't change. If they change, they don't change very much over time. Okay. So that's two of the eight. So the other the other six, those actually are are intended to change over time as your business grows, evolves, you know, the conditions within your industry change and evolve. You know, so it kind of goes back to my point of vision is not this static activity. It's a work in process that needs to be worked on pretty continuously over time. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Thank you for kind of just explaining how those things work together. So in this process, then eight questions, the first thing you're going to identify core values, and that's going to determine culture. These are things that are going to be pretty static, not change much. Yep. Uh, and then the core focus, the purpose and the cause that you're working for and the niche. Um, what's what's the next question? What's the third question for? So in order, and I'll just put these in order. Um, so the third question is, what's your 10 year target? So when you think about where you want your business to be 10 years from now, in terms of number of employees, dollars worth of revenue, maybe number of locations, maybe asset size. So kind of very tangible, um, quantifiable metrics that you can use to, to quantify the size of your business. Um, so that would be something that you would define as your 10 year target. And there may be other components to that. Um, Maybe if you're a dairy farm, you know, maybe in 10 years you want to be bottling your own milk or making your own cheese or own X number of acres, you know, something, you know, things that are very measurable and tangible that will define whether or not you actually arrived at your 10 year target or not. So the third piece of vision is your 10 year target. The fourth would be, you know, what's your marketing strategy? So, and when, when we're talking marketing strategy, it's, it's what's your target market. So, you know, depending on whether you're milking cows and, you know, shipping milk to a, a co-op or a cheese plant, you know, there's probably not a lot of work you're going to have to do to identify your target market. But if you're one of those farms that's bottling your own milk or, making your own dairy products, you know, there can be a lot of work to go into, you know, who are we actually trying to create this product for? So, you know, is it, you know, geographic in nature? Is it demographic in nature? Who are we trying to create these products for? So that's your target market. And then how are we going to try to satisfy the needs of those, of that target market? You know, what are the unique things that we're going to have to do or embed within our product to be able to successfully penetrate that market. So what's your marketing strategy? And then the last, uh, the last four would be, so you start with your 10 year target, identify what your marketing strategy is going to be. And then you back that into what's your three year picture. So what does this business need to look like three years from now? And then one year from now. So it's your three year picture, your one year plan, and the last two pieces of uh, vision is, and this is a this is a very traction um, term. It's the it's the concept of rocks. So what are the rocks? What are the big things that you need to work on within the next twelve months that are going to allow you that are going to allow you to achieve or perform or execute on your one year plan? 
So you've got three-year picture, one-year plan, rocks, and then last but not least, issues. So what are the key issues that are holding the organization back from being able to execute on the one-year plan, the three-year picture, the marketing strategy in order to achieve the 10-year target? Gotcha, gotcha. And so as you're outlining these eight questions, do you see these in a compounding order? And by that, I mean, like, can you set a 10-year target if you haven't nailed down your core values and your core focus first? I don't think so. I think you, I, I believe you got it. You have to take them in order, I believe. Uh, so I think you have to define, because your core values are really going to drive pretty much every people decision you make in the organization. You know, who are the people that you want, you know, by your side, essentially, um, what are the behaviors that are acceptable or unacceptable within the business? So I think you've got to start with defining your core values and then your core focus is really going to dictate 10-year target, marketing strategy, three-year, one-year rocks and issues. So I think you've got to take them in order, identify your core values first, then move to your core focus, and then you just take them as they come. So. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, another thing I was thinking about as you were listing out these questions, Jay, you talked about the the marketing strategy and identifying that target market. And when we look at the dairy industry in particular and where that is headed, you know, it's more than just milk that we're marketing. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. So can you maybe just take a moment uh, to I mean, you work with so many diverse operations, but when when you think about dairies in particular and a 10-year projection, what types of target markets are dairy, the most successful forward-thinking dairies looking at that are different than 10 years ago? Well, I mean, I think there's things that dairymen have to think about in terms of revenue generation opportunities 10 years from now that probably didn't, if they did exist, there weren't too many people thinking about them and, and talking about them 10 years ago. So in terms of, you know, you think about the dairy industry and yeah, we produce milk, right? We processors take that milk and manufacture it into dairy products, but we're also a huge supplier of beef to the food, to the food chain, right? So, and whether that's cold cows or, you know, beef on dairy cross or just straight dairy beef, right? So yeah, we've always viewed the dairy industry as, you know, we generate revenue through the sale of milk. Well, that's true. And that's always, I think, going to be true. But you think about the other revenue streams that are opportunities for dairymen. We've got a huge opportunity on, in, in, you know, on the beef revenue stream. Think about genetics. You know, there's some very progressive farms that, that uh, put a lot of time, energy, money and focus on and extract a good chunk of revenue out of their genetic plans, right? So we've got milk, we've got beef, we've got genetics, we've got energy, right? I mean, you, you talk about a lot of, there's a lot of dollars and there's a lot of uh, focus on dairy renewable gas projects now, especially. And so you think about the amount of, um, the, the amount of value that can be generated through manure that's turned into a renewable energy source. Um, and not far behind that is the fertilizer component of manure, you know, the crop nutrient component of manure, you know, there's a, 
When nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium prices are through the roof like they have been the last 18 months, the value of manure is like front and center, not just for the gas generation component, but for the crop nutrient piece of it too. Um, so you, you start stacking up. I mean, there's a number of different revenue streams that's that are available to a dairy farmer today that, that didn't exist, you know, 10 years ago. And 10 years from now, you know, what's... I'm sure there's going to be something else that comes down the pike that dairymen can generate revenue from that we're not even thinking about. You know, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, everything we do on a dairy farm is geared around production. And if I'm sitting in the processor seat and I'm sitting here trying to say, okay, well, how do I differentiate my product? Well, one way is to differentiate a product based upon the production method that was used to create the raw material. Right. So that's where you got your organic, your non-GMO, some of those things. But I, I truly think that there is going to be someone come along in the dairy industry that's going to link directly production and processing and try to differentiate that end dairy product based upon the production methods that were used to create the milk that goes into the plant. And when you say production method, you're, I'm just going to go on a limb here and say you might also be referring to the traceability piece that yeah. goes into that production that can it, can complete that full chain. Exactly the traceability, the traceability piece, the carbon footprint. The I mean, I, I'm sure there's some component of what I just laid out that I'm not even thinking of, right? That a consumer finds value in. And so I think, you know, now more than ever, like, I think there's change coming to the dairy industry in this area that, that we've even, we haven't even scratched the surface on what it's going to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that all goes into our bigger picture here of creating that vision and thinking and, and the value of spending the time thinking and having deeper conversation about what does that 10-year target look like? And that falls right back in, like you said, for laying out the target market, that marketing strategy that's different than it was in the past. And then using that to dig into what does the three-year, the one-year picture look like and where should the focus be for the next 12 months? And then, as you said, that last piece of digging into where the issues are. And, uh, and so, Jay, I, I know this is something you probably help a lot of businesses walk through, a lot of you know family farms, but you do this for yourself, too. I mean, like this isn't just something you read about in a book and regurgitate. Like You live this. And uh, you recently started a new business called Bridgeforth LLP. Yep. Is this what you used to set up Bridgeforth? Absolutely. And and just to be clear, yes, 100%. So we're in the process, actually, of defining our vision. So we've got our core values. We've got our core focus. And the, today's Monday, December the 19th, right? Is it the 19th? Yeah, it's the 19th. In two days we're going to be meeting as a, as a team to start talking about what does our 10 year target need to look like? What is our marketing strategy? What's our three year picture? So again, my point earlier is that vision is not something you do once and put it on the shelf. It's, it's, it's a work in process always. So we've defined our core values. We've set our core focus and now we're actively working on the other six. 
and we and we'll continue to you know as conditions evolve and and uh, circumstances change and businesses grow yeah we'll, we'll always be working on um this vision so yeah, it's so okay. So I want to take just a moment to help our our listeners understand how you identified those core values and core focus that you said you guys have, you know, written down, laid out, you've written them on the tablets, like so so you guys can run right onto these next steps. There's how many partners with Bridgeforth? Uh, there's three. So there's three of you, and three of you somehow had to come together to identify your core values and your core focus. What was that? process like of working with each other to be able to come up with those two things? We, we just had to start. We, we just had to start communicating on, you know, when you think about the type of people both, and let me, def- so in our business, we had to think about, okay, what are the types of clients that we want to work with? Like, and then what are the, the people that work with and for as part of an advisor with Bridgeforth? When you think about what are the behavioral characteristics or what are the personality traits both parties need to have in order for there to be a successful relationship, that's how we like that's how we started thinking about when we went to put our core values on paper. That's that's kind of how we started thinking about it. So so we came up with four, and it was it took a little bit of back and forth, not a lot actually, because if you've got the right partners. And you've kind of vetted them out a little bit like you there's some common approach to life there's a some common approach to business and so like your core values shouldn't be a painful process to get out of people's heads and onto paper so our four and i'll just read them and they largely they ended largely kind of how they began like we didn't have a whole lot of of evolution when we started putting them on paper to the finished product. So our core values are have courage and take risks, honesty over harmony, progress over perfection, and learn to lead. So when we think about the clients that we want to work with, if we're not working with clients that, that if, if we're working with a client that doesn't have courage and isn't willing to take a risk, we're probably not going to work with that client for very long, right? Same with advisors that that we want to join our platform, if they're not willing to take some risk and have courage to have maybe some conversations that aren't real comfortable that maybe they don't want to have, they're probably not going to kind of fit the culture that we're trying to build. Honesty over harmony. You know, you've heard me say in the past, Peggy, that harmony is not the goal, right? There's this creative tension that exists within all successful teams and businesses. And the only way you get that is to have brutal honesty. So we choose honesty over harmony. And we want to work with clients that do the same, that don't want to fool themselves, just, you know, paint this lovely facade that we all get along together and sing Kumbaya. And like, we know that's not real, right? So we want to work with clients and have advisors that that choose our, that choose honesty over harmony. And then the third one would be progress over perfection. So if, if, if perfection Perfection is always the goal, but you got to realize that it's unattainable. And so we're more focused on incremental progress over this um, idealistic vision of perfection, right? I don't think we'll we'll ever see perfection. That's not, I mean, we don't aspire to that. We aspire to make incremental progress. 
And then the last one would be is, you know, learn to lead. So we want to work with people that there's a purpose for why they want to learn. There's a purpose for why they want to grow and it's so that they can lead others. And so, you know, when we set out our core values, it was, it was a pretty easy process for us to, to align and to rally around those four values, those four core values within our business. And so, as you mentioned, those are the values you will use as you bring on clients, but also other partners in the business, other advisors that you would work with. Absolutely. Yeah, and to kind of apply that to the value of identifying core values for a dairy farm or family business is that now you have kind of a roadmap or some key indicators of when you're making hiring decisions or when you're making, you know, choices about who you want to work with in business, are they are they in alignment with those values? Like this gives you a kind of a compass, so to speak, right? Exactly. I mean, this is the foundation of your people component too. You know, your core values, if, if you're not hiring around them, firing around them, promoting around them, demoting around them, rewarding around them, they're really not your core values, right? And so like, you know, Within within our business, there's there as long as I'm in as long as I'm around, we will never have a case where we're not making all of our people decisions around these four core values. Yeah, so super super clear clarity, right? And uh, and then you said you guys also have your core focus really narrowed down. So would you mind sharing that with us? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So our purpose it's pretty easy. I mean, we help family-owned enterprises move forward and stay family. That is our purpose. Now, there's a lot of different ways we may do that, right? But at our core, that's what we're all about, helping family-owned enterprises move forward and stay family. So that is our purpose. And our niche just so happens to be financial advisory and for uh, agribusiness, so producers and or processors of farm products. That's who we serve. That's our niche, financial advisory for that market. Yeah. So really, at the end of the day, these first couple of steps in the eight questions to gaining traction and through the vision is to really get clear on who you are, who you want to attract from a client perspective and from an, you know, an employee or partner perspective, but then also, also uh, just having this really clear focus on who you serve and why you do what you do. Yep. Yeah. And so these are things that our dairy farms, our family businesses um, that are listening to this podcast today, or even people like, like myself and others that are entrepreneurs and doing their own thing. This most important steps that we can take is to get really clear on who we are, why we're doing what we're doing, who we want to serve, what that profile of that person is that we want to be reflected back um, when we choose to work with someone or when someone chooses to work with us. And then also having a really clear focus on why we're doing what we do. And from that, all those next steps, those other six questions are a heck of a lot easier to answer, aren't they? And again, I don't want to sound cliche. I mean, there's a book out there by, written by a guy by the name of Simon Sinek. And uh, the, the title of the book is Start With Why, right? So if you can get your why figured out, your what and your how 
I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of secondary. So I think that this principle of, you know, in dairy farming, you, you ask people what they do and it's all about the what, you know, we milk cows or we farm, right? Well, why, right? What's the purpose behind the what? What's the purpose behind the how? And so I think that's once you can get some progress of defining the why, I think it makes it a lot easier to bring your vision to life. Certainly, certainly. And, uh, and, you know, Jay, I'll share a little bit of my own experience too, and um, starting up level dairy and I have another you know business that I started a few years ago too. And uh, it, it all started, you know, for me, I'm a little bit more on that imaginative, emotionally engaged, intuitive side that um, you, you talked about a lot of farmers not liking to connect with. Uh, but, but that's one that uh, has always come kind of easily for me. Um, the other one's not so much, but that one. <laughs> one's a little bit better. Um, but you know, what, what I found is that, um, by having that really true connection with the, the values and the focus that, you know, when you go through any sort of, you know, business and the challenges, the ups and downs, the growth and, you know, the stagnant pieces, which are part of business too. Like I, I found that, um, when I come back to the original vision that I wrote down, you know, maybe for, you know, a year ago or a couple of years ago, that that is how I stay grounded in the why of what I'm doing, what I'm doing. And, you know, for me with the Up Level Dairy podcast, like, you know, the, that deeper why, it isn't just because I wanted to have a podcast. Like that deeper, deeper why is because, you know, it's, it's my core belief that every one of us is here for a purpose and for a reason and that we have unique gifts to be shared. And what I've experienced myself and what I see in so many of our colleagues in the industry is sometimes we get so bogged down by the day to day, by the grind, by, you know, my the overwhelm of work and life and chasing achievement and everything else that you know what happens our gifts are like dimmed our light is dimmed and we can't truly shine in the way we're meant to shine and our gifts are meant to be sharpened and shared with others and um and you know that's really what that core of up level dairy is all about is reminding people through you know some encouragement inspiration and resources and everything else that you know what like there, there's something inside of them that's meant to do so much more. And this is the space that I'm trying to create in the dairy world to help us get our heads out of the day to day and to just be able to, to just get our heads over the clouds so we can look down and see, you know, how we can serve in the time that we have in this world with the gifts we've been given. And, um, and that's what I come back to, you know, when I look at that vision piece. So. Man, you've got a lot of passion around that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. The, the passion and the vision are, are really easy, but uh, I could use your help sometime with, that, with the other things. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, that's uh, so, so this vision piece, it's so important, like you said, and it's often the most overlooked, but this is where sometimes it's maybe helpful for people to have a little guidance in these conversations, right? I mean, especially when you're working with multiple parties and, you know, in your case, Jay, your business partners, you got to pick who you worked with. When we talk about family business, we may not get to pick who we work with. Oh, so no, 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 no. This is where I think we're, this is where we're going to disagree. Ah, okay. Challenge me. What you got? No, you, you can't, you can't pick who your family is, right? And if, and if ownership in the family business is passed down generation to generation, you don't, you can't pick who your partners are. 
but you can pick who you work with. Meaning there should be a clear separation between family business ownership and family business management and employment. That's where, so in my work with clients, that's where a lot of the, the conflict happens is there's not the belief that there should be a clear separation between ownership and management. Ooh, thank you for, thank you for that. You, ha- you have a choice. You always have a choice who you work with. Even if you're an owner, you can opt out of management. You can opt out of employment, right? As an owner, your job is to put the best team on the field that has the highest likelihood of chances of winning, right? It's not, it's not to create a position for yourself, right? That's a little controversial, right? So anyway, we can talk, we can talk more about that principle or that philosophy in a future podcast. That sounds great. That sounds great. We always have a lot to a lot to dig into when we tap into Jay's wisdom. And speaking of Jay's wisdom, so you know, usually I ask Jay to wrap up the podcast by sharing a book because he is an avid reader and great at sharing some of his takeaways. But since we focus this whole podcast on the book Traction, Jay is going to get the opportunity today to answer the up level five. These are the five questions designed to have you share how you're pushing yourself for performance, to take yourself to your own next level, to up level yourself personally and professionally. And so five questions. Are you ready, Jay? Let's go. All right. Question number one, what does success look like to you? I'd say freedom, you know, freedom of to do what I want to do, whether that's financially, you know, whether that's in the work that I do with clients, um, you know, whether that's you know physically, you know, just having the freedom to, to do things physically and, and, you know, be as active as I want to be. So I would say, you know, when I think about the definition of success to me, it's, it kind of comes back to having the freedom to do the things that I want to do um, and can do. Freedom. Love that. Uh, and question number two, in three words, how do you want to show up each day? Well, I think first and foremost on time. So yeah, I definitely want to show up on time. Uh, I want to show up <laughs> engaged. Right. I want to be doing work that 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 emotionally and intellectually is engaging. So on time, engaged. And then the last thing would be in a positive way. You know, there's so much negativity in the world. You, I mean, I don't even listen to the news anymore because all it does is it's just a stream of negativity. And it just it soaks into you and it changes your mindset. So if I was to say the three ways that I want to show up, it's on time, engaged and positive. Ah, those are good ones. Very good ones. And uh, who are two or three thought leaders or influencers that you follow? So I would say there's two there's two thought leaders that I don't just follow that I actively engage with, right? Because I'm not really about just following somebody from a distance. If they're truly a thought leader, I want to engage with them personally. And so there's two that I would say fit that bill or fit that bill the most for me. Um, number one would be a guy by the name of Ben Newman. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about Ben after I mentioned the second one, the second one would be a guy by the name of Mark Uhlenberg. So Ben Newman and Mark Uhlenberg have been very impactful in my life. Mark 
for longer than Ben. I've only known Ben for about six months. Uh, I've worked with Mark. Mark's been my executive coach for seven years. So I've worked with Mark for seven years um, and part of a, a peer group with a handful of other folks that Mark facilitates. Um, so Mark Uhlenberg would be one. And then Ben Newman, um, there's a reason I wore my, my K-State hoodie. Number one, because we're Big Not 12 champions. Not just because your color? Yeah, number one, because we're Big 12 champions if anybody like missed that a couple weeks ago. So yes, I want to give a shout out to the K-State Wildcat football team. But Ben Newman is actually the performance coach for K-State football. Oh, amazing. So he, before, so that's kind of how I got to be even aware of who Ben Newman was. Um, so before that, he was the performance and mindset coach for North Dakota State football when they were winning national championships year after year. When K-State hired Coach Kleiman away from NDSU, Ben was one of the first guys that Coach Kleiman, you know, brought onto the team. So Ben lives in St. Louis. He uh, he's a former financial advisor. Um, I've actually gone through a boot camp training with Ben, or spent two days. There's a small group of us, but he's he's got so much energy, tremendous energy. Um, his message is so simple yet so powerful. Um, anyway, so. Ben's an awesome guy. Um, shout out to Ben. Um, yeah, so those are the two. Yeah. Okay. So I want to just before I ask you the last up level up level five question, I want to just like pick some pick at something you just said. So this gentleman that you follow, Ben Newman, uh, by you know train or trade, he is titled a performance and mindset coach. And so it, like, what's the what's possible? What would be possible? for some of the clients, you know, that you see or farmers that you see in the industry, if they invested in someone to help them with their performance and mindset or to help their team with their performance and mindset. I mean, like nobody goes around the dairy industry saying, oh, I'm a performance and mindset coach for dairy farmers and dairy managers and employees. Like, are, are we maybe missing something that could be truly impactful? For sure. So you think about, okay, so let's think about this at a high level. So if you're a division one football team, or if you're an NFL football team, like there's not a lot of difference in the level of talent between the best NFL football team and the worst NFL football team, right? There's really any more, there's not a lot of difference in the best D one football team and the worst D one football team in terms of talent. So you think, okay, well, what drives results, right? What drives winning? Well, you track it back and results are driven by action. Actions are driven by feelings. Feelings are driven by thoughts. So if you want to change your results, you have to start by changing your thoughts. So that's like, that's really what kind of got me going on uh, working with a guy like Ben Newman is, you know, you want to change your, your results. You've got to start at the mindset level. If you've got the wrong mindset, you're going to get the wrong results. If you have the right mindset, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the results, the right results, but the likelihood is a lot higher. Yeah. Ah, well, thank you for digging into that a little bit more. And uh, I think that's something we can all take a little bit away from is, 
that power of tracing back our actions and results all the way to the thoughts that they come from. Well, if you think you're going to have a great day, guess what? The likelihood you're going to have a great day is pretty high. If you think you're going to have a shitty day, you're pretty much guaranteed to have a shitty day. (laughs) Right. Whatever you think, you're right. It just, that's just the way it works. <laughs> awesome. And Jay, last question for you of the Up Level 5. And I'm excited to hear what this one is. What is your next personal up level? What is the area of your life that you are looking to grow, develop in, in this year ahead? Um, I would say a direct impact with clients. And so I think I do have an impact in a certain way with clients. But when I say direct impact, I've been working on this on this idea, everything with me starts with an idea, right? You have to have an idea and then you take actions to actually make it come to fruition, but- Like writing it down, right? Exactly. So I wanna have a direct impact. So the first, I'll call it the first phase of Bridgeforth was putting together, and it's something I've been doing for the last six years of providing advisory services to farmers and processors of farm products, right? So there's, there's the advisory piece but I started thinking through like, what is like, how, how could you supercharge the, the results or the impact or how would I supercharge the results or the impact that I could have working with clients? So yeah, I can be somewhat influential and somewhat in fact, impactful as an advisor, right? As an advisor to a, to a family owned enterprise, but you start thinking through like oftentimes what's the missing link that, that, um, could take a client's business to a next level, it's capital. Like you can have the greatest idea in the world and the greatest team put together in the world, but if you don't have if you don't have the capital to take the idea and scale it, you're gonna be limited. So what's my next level? It's continuing to do the advisory work that I've done for the last several years. But adding capital to that equation uh, to help family-owned businesses take it to the next level. Yeah. So at your up level is helping other people achieve their up level. Exactly. Through advisory and through as a capital provider. So my idea, I, crazy as it sounds, I want to raise outside capital and co-invest alongside clients that have all the right, you know, ingredients but they're missing that just that one important one that one piece that one piece and that is the bridge fourth yep yeah and so going back to your values and your focus and these key um, components of the vision that all comes into play here with your up level that is essentially the up level of our some of our listeners out there that may be folks in that seat where they can benefit from what you are working on in 2023. And so with that, Jay, thank you for joining us on the Up Level Dairy Podcast. Again, we appreciate you joining us as a managing partner of Bridgeforth LLP. 
And once again, Jay serves as a fractional CFO, a family business advisor, and executive coach, which I think we've heard little bits and pieces of all of that in this episode of the podcast. But at the end of the day, his focus is helping family businesses move forward and stay family. And if you'd like to reach out to Jay, you can check out bridgeforthllp.com and that will be in our show notes as well as these eight questions he's outlined to clarify a compelling and strong vision for 2023. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Cawthine. And if you like what you heard today, go ahead and head on over to upleveldairy.com to read the blog and join the Up Level Dairy email list so you can receive new podcasts, blogs, and special offers coming soon from Up Level Dairy straight in your inbox. To listen to more episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and don't forget to rate and review. Connect with me, Peggy, at peggy at upleveldairy.com and follow Up Level Dairy on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.